I think that users should be guaranteed the kind of execution that they want. And I think the only way to do that is with uh, payment for order flow. So this is where protocols can actually uh, improve things by moving black, uh, black markets into the white. Where the validators will be able to express preferences. For instance, like don't front running would be a preference. No front running. And then the builder has to commit to that. The more fragmented the ecosystem is, it means the more variants of security models there are. Because of the structure of sovereign chains in general, most of the map will, or that's the most interesting problem in map is figuring out how to share it between chains. Welcome to the Bare Metal Podcast. Welcome everyone to the Bare Metal Podcast. I've got uh, Sean Braithwaite of Mechatech with me here. Welcome, Sean. Thank you for having me. It's great to be here. So can you tell us a little more about Mechatech? So Mechatech was started, I think, in the, in the summer of 2021, um, when my co-founder and I, Alex and Zimmer, were both working in Core Cosmos. So I was the CTO of Informal Systems, the people working on replicated security. And he was working at uh, Radical, but also spent a lot of time uh, leading the Tendermint uh, team from the engineering side. And I think there were two problems that we were sort of looking at. So one uh, was the problem of incentivization. So this was already like post IBC. So IBC uh, had been launched. It was getting adoption, uh, both within the Cosmos ecosystem and even outside of the Cosmos ecosystem. It was like not yet sort of like the dominant interoperability protocol, but it was uh, approaching it, let's say. Um, but it had sort of two missing parts that uh, kind of needed to be delayed so this thing could get out the door. One part is incentivization. So IBC as a protocol is, when it was launched, was completely dependent on benevolent, Benevolent? Is that the word? Benevolent? Like benevolence? Benevolence? Benevolent. Benevolent uh, relayers who pay right. the cost for... Out of pocket, right? For, yeah, they pay out of pocket. You know, at the time, you know, let's just launch it and see how it goes. Turns out running um, a, a relayer is, is quite expensive, especially for uh, validators um, that are sort of like at the lower end of the... Um, of the, the, the voting power scale. So it's usually the larger validators who essentially could finance um, relaying usually from, from, from delegation. So that was something that was uh, notably missing um, when we started Mechatech. The second thing that was notably missing uh, when we started Mechatech was like this uh, trade-off um, between essentially the sovereignty that you get from being a zone in Cosmos versus the synchronous composability that you would have if you're on an ecosystem like Ethereum. Like if you're Ethereum and you want to launch a smart contract, you know, it's completely permissionless. I'm sure it costs like, I don't know, $20,000 to launch a smart contract, or something, but you could do it. And then you could like interop with everyone synchronously. So products like one inch don't need to collaborate with protocols like Uniswap to deliver value. And that's like fun and interesting. Um, in by comparison to Cosmos, right, you get your own chain, you get your own community, your own validator set, your own state machine, 
you get ABCI and soon you're going to get ABCI++, which is going to be amazing, but you get asynchronous composability. So if you want to send messages between um, the Cosmos Hub and uh, Osmosis, it like takes a while. And right. no, in that while <laughs> is like the intersection of uh, varying security models. And at the intersection of varying security models is where MEV um, stands. So we got very interested in MEV for those two reasons. And then we just decided to do something about it. So we started Mechatech. So uh, if I understand this correctly, Sean, the, the, the design space for MEV exists in this because of this asynchronous nature of IBC. Exactly. So MEV exists at the intersection of any varying um, security model. So as soon as you have uh, varying preferences of um, when things happen, you're going to have MEV. So this happens in IBC in particular because you could, uh, when a transaction is confirmed on one chain, right? Essentially, the chain has committed the user to doing something on another chain through IBC. So you know, like if you initiate a swap on the Cosmos Hub or whatever, that will eventually get executed on Osmosis. The period between when it's originated and when it's executed uh, has preference, right? Someone is gonna know, anyone watching the Cosmos Hub can see the initiation of the swap or the, what we call the, the, the transaction origination. So it's no different right. than say, like if you are a wallet and you uh, initiate a transaction and then sell the order flow, or if you're Robinhood and you initiate, you know, the sale of a trade and then sell the trade to Citadel. So instead of, you know, the counterparty. As has been happening. Right. Uh, I think that's what happens in, in much more mature markets. Like, I, I think like security markets like Robinhood are very mature. I think uh, markets like um, Ethereum are very mature and they have like uh, this difference between transaction origination and, and there are markets for, uh, for buying order flow. Cosmos is getting there, but not there, but it is sort of uh, inevitable and unavoidable because of IBC. Right. There's, I, I hear a lot of, when somebody says MEF uh, or talks about MEF, frequently they, they mention ideas of, of sort of blockchain sustainability, right? I mean, blockchain, I securing know. a sovereign blockchain costs money uh, and it's not exactly cheap. It's at least tens of thousands of dollars, you know, even for smaller networks uh, per mm -hmm. month. Um, what, what role do you think MEF plays over here? So I think... Um, MEV just plays the role of being part of the overall fiscal policy of the chain. So people say that it's, I think if you're a validator, you would say that MEV is part of the security budget. Like if you're taking that role of like a validator, you'd say like, I deserve this money because I run these nodes or more importantly, like I participate in governance. So I have to, you know, stay on multiple chains. I'm reading multiple proposals. That's not just like server costs. That's like my cost. That's like my time and my expertise in understanding, you know, where the, the direction of the change should go and like putting like my reputation on the line to vote the right way, um, I should get paid for that. That's, that's one way of looking at it. Another way of looking at it is um, 
it should be proceeds to LPs. Like if you're a debt, right, and um, you have liquidity providers are one other type of users that you have. Traders are another type of users that you have, right? And then there's some fee that goes from the trader to the LP. But then if you're a sandwich bot, right, and you're essentially trading, but maliciously, you're um, seeing the order flow and then front running and back running a user. So a trader is just trying to execute a swap. You go on both sides of the swap and effectively you tax that user. So the user gets like a works right. execution, like maybe 2% or something like that. User seizes the stage, right? Yeah. yeah, the user, you know, who let's call, call them grandma, right? Gets a worse price. But the sandwich bot gets some proceeds, the validator gets some bribe, and the LPs also get additional fees. So, right? I mean, let's, let's sort of dig deeper into this and just, you know, go head on. Is MEV good for the ecosystem? Uh, is MEV good for which ecosystem? So I would say toxic order flow, like as we've written about, it threatens the market, right? Because of this phenomenon called like adverse selection. So this idea that like, if you're a car salesman and you lie about the state of the car, you say, oh yeah, it works fine. And then it doesn't have an engine, right? Maybe one person gets a bad deal. Someone says, ah, you know. But if people, if, if every, or some plurality of car salesmen keep selling bad cars, right? then buyers will stop trusting car salesmen. And then even the good car salesmen, like the people that actually put engine in cars or like leave the engine in, right? Will eventually be, uh, uh, they'll, they'll be washed out of the market because there'll be no legitimate demand because people just don't trust car salesmen. Right, the market so this is like the down. threat. Yeah. yeah, this is the threat of toxic order flow, right? So we say, that MEV essentially incentivizes toxic order flow. Like if you have like an off-chain auction, like, like Zenith or something like that, that enables front running, it threatens through the, uh, by introducing toxic order flow. So what's the solution to that, right? I mean, like if you introduce these markets, do you somehow also police them or do you split MEV into different kinds? Like, you know, what, what, what do we do here? Because if, I mean, based on what you're saying, if we just let this run, you know, will users want to use those blockchains which, which involve MEV? I think that users should be guaranteed the kind of execution that they want. And I think the only way to do that is with uh, payment for order flow. So I think that MEV is application specific. So it's like if you design a DEX a certain way and it's like you're going to get sandwiched, right? So it's an application-specific concern. If an application decide, decides, like, for instance, oh, it doesn't, it doesn't want front-running, but it does want arbitrage, right? So it says some application determines that arbitrage is good, but um, front-running is bad. It is sovereignty. It has the full right to do that. That's really up to the, the chain. What do I think about that personally? I think that what we've seen in this market cycle is that LPs have been annihilated by arbitrage. So most LPs are losing money. Um, a lot of that money is against informed uh, order flow, so arbitrage. 
So people arbing the bots, uh, arbing uh, pools, right, has the benefit that it gives users better execution, but that happens at the expense of LPs. So the only people who could really determine what the balance is here is the application because it is zero sum game. So it just determines, it's a, it's a matter of like, do you want to incentivize LPs or traders? Like, and so this is why like MEV in this level, it's just part of the overall uh, like fiscal policy of the chain of deciding how much does it want for security? How much does it want for emissions? How much does it want from fees? How much does it want for, for LPs? And just needs it to be governable such that it can it could avoid like uh, adverse selection. So, so if I can summarize what I'm hearing, meth markets exist. Nobody can, you know, given the nature of IBC, especially in the Cosmos ecosystem and async composability, there is space for meth. Nobody can. It, it's really yeah. hard to sort of go back from here. So, application developers should take this into account when they're building app chains or protocols, you know, in smart contracts, and make sure they understand and they are clear about what kind of MEV is okay or accepted uh, or even possible on their protocol. You think it's, it's, it's on them now to, you know, uh, make the best of the, the world as is. Well, I think there's things that we can do. I think that, um, so right now, MEV is kind of like a black market, right? The mempool, the order of transactions, the mempool, most protocols, not every protocol, but most protocols, let's say most Cosmos protocols, right? The order is undefined, right? So if you look at a block that was ordered a certain way, you don't know why it was ordered that way. Sure. So it's impossible to attribute, um, you know, some front run or some arbitrage or anything to any one party. One idea is like, oh, if there was a user that got sandwiched, maybe it's because um, the validator who proposed that block was running custom software. That's one idea. Another idea is that um, some searcher essentially is in the gossip network and just like geo geolocated their nodes such that they could like feed the proposer at the right time to uh, introduce a sandwich attack, right? Essentially reverse engineering the pool construction and hoping to hit the right place in the pool. You could reverse engineer the pool construction some, if it's worth FIFO, it. Yeah, some sort of FIFO node local strategy and whoever's block proposing now. Exactly. So even if it's FIFO, like if you get the order flow first and then you introduce your sandwich and then send it, you can sandwich a user. And the problem is when you look at the block, you can't determine whether it was off-chain software or whatever. So this is where protocols can actually uh, improve things by moving black, uh, black markets into the white where built, you could actually provide native, um, like on-chain representation of the builder where people who contribute parts of the block take accountability for it. And they say, this is what I did. And like, if they're first class citizens, like validators, then you could actually slash the participants who constructed uh, that part of the block or the entirety of the block. So if someone is going to order the transactions, they should make sure that they are accountable and aligned with governance and have something on the line um, to slash if, 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 if they violate those, those community rules. So I, it is, it is a pretty complex space with lots of players. So can you maybe talk a little bit more about, you know, what's the, what's the architecture, what's the construction of Mechatech? So you said shed light into the, you know, into this block space, let's say, let's call it the block space market. Mm. How does, how does Mechatech do that? Like, do you guys have what, what components of your system somehow, where, where, where could I check, you know, what's, what's going on on Osmosis? 
you know, if somebody's using Mechatech on osmosis, can I, as like an external user, look in and uh, you know understand something, or do I have to sign up as a as a block searcher? So Mechatech is one of uh, multiple entities that is currently working on uh, like native um, builder module that will allow essentially outsourcing parts of the block construction to builders. There's a couple of builders in the ecosystem. Uh, Mechatech has a builder, it's called Zenith, right? Uh, Skip has a builder, I think it's called Satellite. And there are other builders that are coming into the ecosystem to perform multiple tasks like, uh, like relayers, like uh, incentive aligned relayers would be a, a, another construction builder. Mm -hmm. And the goal of this coalition, right, is to provide sort of uh, native integration, so no more custom patches. So instead of integrating, like essentially forking tenements and exposing the validator to slower security updates, like, and all the risk involved with running custom software, it's just going to be a module. Now the shape and the requirements of that module are still undefined or like there's, there's still a lot of negotiation, but this is the overall intention of the ecosystem to bring the market from the black to the white. Okay, I, I wasn't aware of that. So on the, on the Tendermint side, uh, in the Tendermint code, there's a proposal for essentially something like a unique, some, something like a standard interface to which multiple it's, types of block builders could sort of connect and you know, partially specify, fully specify a block. What's the... It's gonna be on a Cosmos SDK side. Okay. It's just gonna be a module and will allow you to configure a number of builders, some of which could be local. So it could be a mix of permissioned and are like trusted and or semi-trusted and untrusted. And you can configure them per validator as long as they are registered on chain. Did I get that right? That you could, I as a validator could use multiple of these block builders and say switch between them or like multiplex? Correct. Because that's a really interesting idea. I, I was going to ask, you know, in some sense, the current state of tech means these block builders are exclusive, right? Either you're running patch from Mechatech, mm -hmm. but if you also want to run an incentivized IBC, um, you know, relayer, uh, you, can't, you can't just run both of these at the same time. There's no way to, there's no composability. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. It's already solved. Uh, yeah. Well, that's well, too late to the we point. are we are in the process of trying to solve it. I think all okay. of us are looking at this reality. The exact, exactly as you say, there is this um, problem of you know running custom patches and it being mutually exclusive, and it not being it's it's essentially like a closed market, right? There's not a lot of room for innovation, and it means that validators have to decide one or the other, and it right. means that um, they're potentially leaving revenue on the table by monopolizing the block space, right? So it's going to sure. go from monopoly to a, a diverse market. It's probably better for the entire ecosystem. Yeah, you could have a second level auction, right? For every block, you just choose the best, uh, uh, the best solution from wherever, uh, from whoever is offering to, to, build a, to build a block. That's, that sounds pretty cool to me. You could express, the validators will be able to express preferences. For instance, like don't front run me would be a preference. No front running. And then the builder has to commit to that. Sure. And then if it does not, right, it could be slashed or evicted or whatever. Okay. And the, is, does this module have a name? Like, is this a, a like working name? Could I find anything about this? 
So there's, um, we're still working on the naming. It's up to the collaborators to decide like what the best name is, working with the Cosmos SDK team. So it's currently under the, the moniker of like the builder API. Just keep it, keep it neutral. We don't know. Um, I think there's a lot to figure out. Um, so I think this, this, this audience is, is very interesting as an audience of, of, of validators of knowing what the different sort of like constraints and, um, and preferences may be is something that we'd be very interested in doing with the community. I, I mean, honestly, one of the most exciting things about this to me is like, you don't have to build your own binary and you don't get this, um, you know, delay and you don't get this risk from, Hey, you know, is my, um, let's say MEF provider or block builder does, do they have the patch in time to upgrade to, I don't know, V035 or V046? Um, if it's yeah. Cosmos SDK, uh, so that's, I mean, you know, seems like a win for, for everybody if, if that happens. So fingers crossed I that you guys that... can get this across the finish line <laughs> and just like, you know, that's, yeah. that's a, that's another level of framework and, and, you know, consistency for this type of mark and inspectability, right? So, because this will be standard, so you can then compare these, these providers. That's, uh, that's, that's pretty interesting. So I guess that's, that's part of your future plans, helping to standardize this and, and build out this, this component. What else is in store from Mechatech? So essentially the first parts that we need to build um, towards this goal of, of, of synchronous composability is this sort of um, builders be, need to be able to make commitments on chain, right? They need to be able to commit to something so that they're represented and everyone knows what they did. And in the first version, I think it's like the we got to figure out how proposers can make commitments to builders to provide some kind of um, mutual trust, like bilateral trust, right? So that like, I trust you because you committed to something, you trust me because, you know, the reverse. So, so the next you, step, the, the underlying problem here is I as a validator and putting my reputation on the line by allowing you to build a block that I'm going to place on the Correct. Line, right? So this is, this is like, as a validator would be worried, of course, like how do I control what happens in this block? Like somebody's gonna suggest exactly. that I have to place it. Software won't allow me to do anything else. So you, you wanna build some sort of framework around here. So the, 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 the proposer can express, I'll do A, B, and C, log that on chain. And then the, if, if, they, if they violate um, these, let's say self-imposed rules or mutually agreed upon rules, uh, the, the validator would have a possibility of slashing them, or essentially the code, like the framework that you guys are building would slash the block proposal. So in the first version, the trust model is between the proposer and the builder. So the builder needs to know, like, should I blacklist this proposer? So if I like give them a, a, a bundle of MEV and they steal it, you know, they decide, oh, actually they do run custom software. They don't have to, but they decide to run custom software which they take the transactions that the builder provides to them, then reorders them to, to you know, reconfigure the addresses to send whatever, to or steal them. to themselves or whatever, right. Exactly. So the builder needs to know like what to do in that case. Like how do you abdicate that case? Like do you have some kind of evidence? Like how, who, who do you prove to that something went wrong? It's your bundle. What, what, recourse, right. what recourse do you have? So like, Builders, in, I think in, in, in Cosmos, generally, um, these kind of systems are more going to be governed by social norms than economics. Mm -hmm. I think that there is going to be, like, I asked, uh, I asked Flashbots, like, how much MEV stealing they saw, probably, like, um, 
time-batted attacks they were seeing. And actually, it's, it's less often than you think. It's actually, that's how usually the system works. But that doesn't mean you don't need accountability. And I think you do need accountability on both sides. And that accountability is going to come from um, these commitments. So like the builder module's goal is to create commitments between proposers and builders. And they're just like bilateral. Um, the next step after that is to figure out how, instead of like proposers making individual commitments to a builder, how like an entire chain can make a commitment to a builder and then how that would be guaranteed or how the risk would be underwritten by the entire chain instead of being born by just the proposer. But also, would you expect, let's say, an entire chain uh, sort of voting, um, you know, putting up a governance proposal, say, you know, we don't want anybody to front run this chain. Do you think that should be possible? Is that something you guys want to allow yeah. them in sort of all of it? Okay. Yeah. I mean, like, I, I don't think, um, I think chains are very concerned about front running. I think we, like we do analysis. So we actually look at what runs through our system. Actually, we look at what through, we look at the data of what runs through all the chains, whether we construct the blocks or not. And what we found is what we assumed, like our hypothesis going in was that there was gonna be front running specifically during the, the terror collapse, that like slippage was gonna be higher, uh, that people would run sandwich, sandwich bots because there actually is a um, there is a, a patch like a prototype of a sandwich bot tenement fork, right? It is technically possible to do it. The question is, did anyone do it? And the answer is like not really, not really. Even when there was like significant amount of uh, money on the line, people did not front run. Now I don't think that's going to be guaranteed always and forever. Like I think as the the market matures, that people will will pursue different opportunities. And I do think that chains are very concerned about this. I know that Osmosis is very concerned about front running. This is why they want to, um, they're going to essentially do pre-commit privacy that will prevent front running is, is their intentions. And we know that DYDX is, is, is very concerned with, with front running as well because it affects their users a certain way. Um, so we think this is going to be a preference that um, uh, a lot of chains are going to express and like, the role of Mechatech as like, you know, infrastructure providers is to provide these facilities through protocols. Right. We've, we've talked a lot about um, IPC here as the, as the underlying primitive that, you know, allows for all of this. But, you know, assuming IBC is there also requires a future with, with sovereign chains that are actually going to interact through IBC, right? I mean, there are other contenders in the space. Mm. Uh, for the future of Cosmos. And one of those is Dimension, one of those is Saga, who proposed sort of like a, let's say more synchronous, they have their, like Dimension has their own version of IPC, which runs, you know, between the different rollups. So they might sort of close oh, yeah. off parts of that ecosystem. So what do you think that's, um, what do you see in the future of Cosmos? And are there going to be sovereign chains? Are there going to be enough sovereign chains? I think that forking IBC, um... I think IBC should evolve, and I think it's a, a, a great base, and there's obviously there's space to grow, and Mechatech is committed to that growth. Um, I think with the Saga, Celestia, Dimensions, replicated security from the hub, I think mesh security, um, what you're going to see broadly is like right now the cost of security is very, very high. So if you're like a, an application, doing validator set formation is, is very expensive. Um, and it's almost like a moat, right? So if you could like get to that point where you have the most security, even if your application is not the best, 
you have a moat, which is the amount of security. I think that what this means is like with all, if any one of these solutions succeed, essentially the cost of security is going to go to zero. It's going to be very, very cheap to get that security in Cosmos, whether it's through IBC or, or something like it. Um, and I think that that is going to create innovation that uh, applications are going to have to compete on merit instead of use the moat of security. Um, and that's I think that's fantastic for the ecosystem. Okay, and what would that? How would that affect uh, sort of MEV? You know, if suddenly you have these chains inside, like a dimension, you know, ecosystem with rollups in there, or they, they, I, I guess on Saga they'd still be connected through IBC, right? So I, I don't think there's any sure there's much difference. So the the more fragmented um, the ecosystem is, it means the more variants of security models there are, which means there's. If, the, if these rollups are used, then there'll be more MEV. Um, I think that would be the, the most obvious take. Um, it, another thing that we sort of foresee is that like, because of the structure of um, sovereign chains in general, most of the MEV will, or that's the most interesting problem in MEV is figuring out how to share it between chains. Mm -hmm. So trying to figure out not just like, you know, step one, figure out how to pay LPs, um, stakers. Actually, step one is just pay stakers, then validators and community pool, ideally, um, LPs, whatever. Actually make that possible. So structure the market such that it's actually possible to pay the people who create value, right? Step two, step two is to figure out how that's spread between communities. Like if all these, right. these software communities are, like if you originate a transaction on the Cosmos Hub that's executed on Osmosis that generates like $10,000 in MEV, who deserves that MEV? Is it the Osmosis community or the Cosmos Hub? And who decides? And how do you, and who decides? Who decides, right. Yeah, so lots of interesting problem. Yeah. In the in the future, so lots of work for you guys to do and figure out, right? Well, I mean, we're doing it out. We're trying to do it out in the open and as a community um, to be sort of as transparent as possible about our intentions and make sure that the the market is open, such that we could all learn together. Is really the goal. Is there what do I need to do to start? You know, if I want to test Mechatech out, like how does that work? If I'm a validator and I want to, I want to see what's up. You go to mecha.tech and you read our thesis and see how much of our vision is aligned with your values. And then you click on Zenith and there's a very simple tutorial on uh, playing with the patch. That, that would be one way to start participating in our community effort. So what chains are you guys active on? Osmosis. Uh, Juno and Evmos, but I think the intention is that we're really focused on the builder API and standardizing it and then moving it through chain governance than we are about propagating the thing. We'd see Zenith as sort of like a, a learning experience mm. to get the kind of feedback that we needed to design better protocols. And when you mentioned the networks, are we talking test nets or mainnets? Both. We just launch on. We're both on test and submit. So I, I, if I was a writer, I could still test it out on a, you know, on a test net, low, no risk, um, understand mm -hmm. what's up, and then see if I want to roll out on mainnet. 
yeah, a play with it. I think there's interesting innovation on both like the supply and demand side. So as a validator, learning about different ways to monetize block space. And then on the on the demand side, it's interesting to see integrations with like payment for order flow stuff right. where people can start paying relayers for backrunning. Right. Okay. So lots of inter interesting tasks uh, ahead of you guys. So I guess that's a great place to uh, stop the podcast. So I want to say thanks very much uh, for coming on and telling us about Mechatech. Thank you for having me. And hope to see you here again uh, soon. Yeah, it was yeah. great to be here. All right. Good luck. All right. Cool. Thank you.